Hello, I'm Chris. And I'm Sean. And this is Monsters and Mythos, a podcast where we take a look at the monsters and races of Dungeons and Dragons and compare them to their mythological and folkloric counterparts. On today's episode, we will be discussing the werewolf. I know our vampire episode was very popular, so, you know, people like the universal monsters that they grew up with hearing. True, you know, and it's going to be you know, another jam-packed episode, and uh, this one is is coming is covering a plethora of magical beasts. At least when you're coming from the the D and D standpoint, uh, we're going to be focusing on lycanthropes, you know, werewolves, and more. Plenty of uh, talking points today. Awesome! I'm excited to. Awesome! I'm excited to hear what you have for us today. All right, so possibly, literally, the oldest curse in the book. Lycanthropy leading, at least in the realms of D&D anyway, leading cause of uh, not only werewolves, but people of all sorts. Another template players are so fond of. Something that could happen to an already existing PC or NPC to add a bit of drama or flavor or customization. So... So what is lycanthropy? How does one get it? What happens after the disease takes hold? You know, typically only spread through the bite of an already afflicted lycanthrope. Once the disease is contracted, those afflicted transform upon the next full moon. And depending on the dice, they might not even know it. Uh, perhaps transforming several times before catching on. These transformation turn humanoids into uh, one of two states. A humanoid-animal hybrid, often standing on two legs like a man, but retaining uh, the visage of an animal, you know, fur, fangs, claws, etc. Also able to wield weapons and possibly use items. Uh, that, or a transformation to a powerful and healthy-looking version of the animal outright, often with glowing eyes beaming an unnatural intelligence. While uh, older editions of Dungeons & Dragons allude to like a silver vulnerability or weakness, uh, not so much in the more modern uh, versions. While, while any creature that can bite can, you know, any creature, a squirrel, a fox, a, a wolf, you know, anything that can bite can technically become or create some sort of wear variant, leaving an umpteenth amount of, of possibilities uh, uh, for possible variants, you know. Uh, so we're going to stick with and briefly discuss the top five most common variants uh, here shortly. Uh, kind of, so lastly, kind of uh, before diving into the specifics of the variants, let's talk a little bit about alignment. Uh, typically, a necessary component to the afflicted lycanthrope. Uh, more prevalent in the rules of older editions, uh, largely considered unnecessary in more modern versions. Uh, but not here, as far as lycanthropes go. Uh, Good-aligned lycanthropes tend to be reclusive, uh, uncomfortable in civilized lands, often leaving alone in, in the wilderness, far from villages and towns, for fear of scaring people or worse. Uh, Evil-aligned lycanthropes well, will hide amongst their people, emerging at night to spread terror and shed blood. So... 
Aside from the good and evil lycanthrope, uh, uh, lycanthropes, there are also other choices that might need to be made for the afflicted uh, to reject, fight, or deny the curse or to embrace it. Those who fight it to have their alignment and day-to-day -day lives go on as normal, only forced to change during these times of the full moon, sometimes unaware of the change or unable to recall their memory during or after the transformation, often having dreams or, or hazy information at best. Uh, others embrace the curse. With time and experience, they learn to master their shape-changing ability, becoming a beast or beast-like hybrid at will. And those who do this walk a dangerous line and must constantly be vigilant against their bestial natures, succumbing to bloodlust, preying on the weak, and otherwise becoming evil. Uh, sometimes pulling a character's alignment to be more in line with the lycanthrope beast and less in line with, the humanoid, with its humanoid's notions and concerns. The longer one is afflicted by lycanthropy, the more likely their humanoid form is likely to take on you know, physical traits of the lycanthrope. Aggressive, extra hair, longer nails, teeth, etc. Kind of depending on the type. Um, also, the longer one has lycanthropy, it seems the more difficult it is to cure. If caught within a day or two, versus a month or two, or even a year or two, seems uh, to affect the strength of magics or medicines or rituals needed to break the curse. Also, those born with lycanthropy via one or both parents also being infected. The curse is uncurable short of anything but a wish spell as far as the D&D lore is concerned. So, with all that said, let's get into the top five most common wear variants. And uh, first up is the were bear typically a hulking humanoid covered in brown fur with bear-like claws and face this form of lycanthrope is often lawful good uh, a natural loner fearing what may happen to innocent creatures or people when its more bestial parts take over able to communicate with bears and dire bears of all kinds often choosing not to bite in combat uh, and to kind of prevent the spread of its curse the next up variant is the were-boar. Stocky and powerful, a, a fierce humanoid covered in short, stiff fur with boar-like tusks and, and a snouts. Often considered ill-tempered, vulgar brutes, these lycanthropes mostly fall into the neutral alignment category. Able to communicate with uh, other, sorry, able to communicate with other boars and dire boars, often living in uh, a small, isolated communities. While in hybrid or animal form, they spread this disease with reckless abandon, however, often uh, via a gore attack with their uh, massive tusks. Next up, uh, the were-rat, a quick and feral humanoid, covered in matted brown fur with, long, with a long hairless tail and distinctly rat-like face. These lycanthropes tend to lean more towards the lawful evil uh, alignment rather than any others, uh, using its form more for stealthy infiltration and escape rather than combat, but still carries a potentially lethal and infectious bite. Often found in urban civilized areas, sewers, catacombs, and cellars, 
often forming clans in subterranean areas. Uh, these clans tend to think and operate much like um, a thieves guild might, choosing to uh, only to infect new members, punishing those who leave the clan with death, you know, and obviously uh, they can communicate with rats. Sorry. Um, and so uh, next up is the Were Tiger. And uh, the uh, Were Tiger, ferocious hunters, often warriors uh, uh, with a haughty, fastidious nature. Sleek and powerful, covered in striped fur with deadly claws and teeth. Typically eight feet in height, these lycanthropes are mostly neutral, choosing to live on the fringes of society, in the jungles if possible, either solo or in small family groups, choosing to fight more often uh, in hybrid form with weapons uh, or, uh, you know, in an effort to not spread their disease. Uh, uh, also, uh, not really because they're interested in, like, you know, uh, uh, preserving their you know peoples or whatnot but also it's it's because of doing so makes new were tigers and their more were tigers means more competition for territory and prey and you know obviously they can speak to a variety of large cats in the various editions um that being said um and you know last but certainly not least the iconic werewolf this type of lycanthrope is typically leans to be chaotic evil, short and gray fur, covering a lean, feral humanoid uh, with uh, sharp claws and a wolf-like muzzle. In the wild, they tend to form packs with other lycanthropes or wolves or direwolves. And in more urban environments, they are known for either killing or turning their friends and or family. A savage predator with heightened senses Though capable of using weapons, it often prefers claws and teeth. Uh, so are any of my lycanthropes close to uh, uh, anything you have got going on? Most of those, there is actually a folkloric counterpart. Just not the were-rat. Or at least that I was able to find. Uh, well, uh, with that being said, that is about all I have uh, for the time being on any uh, lycanthropy and werebores and things. Uh, so, what uh, did you look up this week? Uh, so, yeah, as we were doing werewolves, uh, it does come up with uh, lycanthropy, but you also have then serianthropy, which is just all the creatures. So, therianthropy being the umbrella, and then lycanthropy being a subset, or werewolves. So, where do we get the name werewolves? Well, it's an old English and Germanic word where were or ver means man, and then wolf or wolf. So, it just became man-wolf. Very descriptive, as you might imagine. Nice. So that's where Man Bear Pig got it. Nice. Exactly. And that, that would be a really cool chimera. Uh, see our previous episode if you wonder what we're talking about with that. But Man Bear Pig. Get a stat block on him. 
So the first tales of a werewolf uh, possibly come from the Epic of Gilgamesh. And with that, Gilgamesh rejects the goddess Ishtar as a lover because to a previous admirer, she turned him into a wolf and he didn't want to risk it. So the first werewolf was a curse that I don't think he came back from, but it's the first mention, really, of a man turning into a wolf. After that, you get into Greek mythology, where you get the legend of Lycan. King Lycan received a guest, and he had the suspicion that this guest was a god, and he wanted to see if this god would be able to determine what sort of meat he was eating. So he... I killed his son or a servant boy had him cooked up and served to Zeus. Zeus, being the all-knowing all-powerful god, knew it was man-meat and he cursed Lycan and his sons or just him, depending on which story you're hearing, into becoming a wolf. And so... You have again, and it's that Lycan, we think uh, Lycanthropy and other canine wolf-related uh, names came from. But, you know, that that's still rude as hell. Hey, you're a guest. I think you're smart. Tell me if this is man meat. There's always something weird going on with the Greek gods, you know? Oh, yeah. That's a whole uh, therapist session in and of itself. Uh, werewolves also emerged in early Nordic folklore. Uh, in the saga of the Velsungs, there's a tale of a father and son, and they found wolf pelts. And when you put on these pelts, it allowed you to turn into a wolf. They would then go out and kill people, agreeing that they, if there was one or two, maybe three, they could kill Solo, but if there was more than that, they would get together and kill them. Uh, the son ended up attacking a party of eight or ten and killing them, and when the dad found out, he got pissed and killed him. Regretting what he did after becoming man once again, he then buried or burnt the pelts. In fact, most mythology or folklore of werewolves in the beginning was that it was a choice. Uh, you had tales of a belt that would allow you to become a wolf. And it wasn't a hybrid. It wasn't a half-man, half-wolf, bipedal characterization. They went full wolf. Uh, and so when they wanted to, they put on a belt, or in some cases, they would take off all their clothes and a circle around it which would cover the clothes in stone and then once they were done for the night they'd come back and get dressed and become a man again. I don't know what wolves have opposable thumbs to button their pants but I guess they made it work. And other tales. Sorry I gotta so they peed around their clothes and then their clothes would become stone like rocks? Or or stone would rise over the clothes so that they would remain. Uh, that's a weird variant. I've never heard that. That's cool. <laughs> Good twist. 
you know, and it's, I think that's taken from wolves and dogs marking their territory by peeing around it. Well, I'll pee around this and then I'll mark my territory. But since it only works on other wolves and I can still got to protect it from other creatures, rocks. Why not? Uh, there's other tales where it's a curse and a mortal was turned into a wolf where he had to avoid eating human flesh for nine years and if he could be turned back into a man or there's tales of tribes that had one man one woman turn into wolves and they had to abstain for nine days or nine weeks or nine months nine years from eating human flesh and if they could they were turned back to mortal and if not they were a wolf forever so that's where we're seeing, I mean, definitely was more of a curse, but there are tales of it being a choice. In fact, during the medieval period, we all know about the famous witch hunt, witch hunts, gosh, I cannot speak right now, witch hunts going on. And this impacted mostly women. However, especially in Britain, France, uh, parts of Germany. There was also werewolf hunts going on, believing that a sorcerer sold his soul to the devil and as a marking of that could transform into a wolf. So if they thought you were a werewolf, they put you on trial, much like the witches, and then you got killed for being a werewolf, burned at the stake and such. So where would the tale of a werewolf possibly come from? Uh, especially at this point well we all have heard of a berserker especially a viking berserker however what may not be known about berserkers is that it was believed that they infused a bear inside of them wore the fur and became bear-like well in other cultures they did the same thing they would wear wolf pelts and take on attributes of a wolf you know group pack hunting uh, tracking. And so there's a possibility that tales from tribes like this and this practice, oh my gosh, it was like a man and a wolf. Oh, they must have meant a man turned into a wolf. So that's where historical uh, tales may have started from and then just progressively got to man physically transforming into a wolf. Uh, moving on, you do have variants. It's not just werewolves. You have where bears, where jaguars. Uh, China, it's where tigers. Japan, where foxes. And uh, Central America, South America, it's a where jaguar. But they're typically predators. It's always a aggressive physical, pretty much whatever they were afraid of. And that's probably because if you were afraid of a tiger eating you, the scariest thing a evil sorcerer could do is become a tiger. And so that's one thing I like with uh, them having so many variants in the game is that you could do centralized locations where tigers are more popular here, bears over there, and it would correlate to our world. So, after 
the medieval ages, um, wolves kind of settled down. Uh, you still had some tales, such as the Beast of Gévaudan, which was either wolves that were hungry, which at that time there was a famine going on and not a lot of deer. So if there's not a lot of food, wolves will eat people. It's just not their primary focus. And in, during that time, wolves were a lot bigger. So them eating people was not uncommon, hence why so many fairy tales were about wolves. Even though now we look at them and we say, well, they're not that scary. They were definitely worse then. Uh, you then had people such as Peter Stube in uh, Germany who claimed they could turn into werewolves. And they would kill and eat people, some being primarily children. In fact, Peter Stube and made it to killing 25 people by becoming a wolf and then he was flayed on a wheel and decapitated for it uh, burning at the stakes was common for anybody even thought to be a werewolf because it was thought that you were then evil uh Silver being impactful on werewolves really didn't become a thing until the 1941 film, The Wolfman, by Universal Pictures, one of their universal monsters. And that you got more of that hybrid. It wasn't a man that turned into a full wolf. It was a part man, part wolf, walking by pedal and aggressive, and then killed by silver. After it became popular that werewolves were killed by silver. It got backtracked to that Beast of Gévaudan story where they say it was killed by being shot with silver or the men made silver bullets for it. However, sources a lot closer to that time never mentioned a silver bullet or silver being used as a shot. So it got backtracked in order to help beef up that it is a werewolf story. In the 1890s uh, to about 1935, in Western Africa, there's a secret society called the Leopard Society for Leopard Men, where men would wear leopards' uh, furs and make claws and attack people at night, possibly as uh, ways to try and get European influences out of Africa. Some of the tales were that the men were actually using witchcraft to transform into real leopards. So here is a case of uh, that were transformation possibly being good. <laughs> and then, of course, they're just called barbaric and monstrous because European newspapers will do that when you're killing Europeans. Uh, we have werewolves or werewolf stories going on today. The two most popular being, first, The Beast of Bray Road, which is supposedly a humanoid wolf creature between six feet and seven feet that can run as a quadruped or a biped and attacks uh, travelers in this town. Uh, the first sighting was about 1936, so it really reached popularity in the 1980s, said it would leave marks on the door, trunks, and vehicles, and people still believe in the Beast of Bray Road today. Uh, you also have the Michigan Dogman, which is another creature that 
supposed to be about seven feet tall. And it's a canine-like animal, torso of a man, that shows up every 10 years in years that end in seven. So this being 2023, he won't show up for another four years. And then he'll attack people around the area. So also another tale that is still believed by some as being true today as who would make up a dog man. I mean, all these stories. So why are werewolves less popular now than they were uh, even a hundred years ago? I mean, while yes, they're popular in fantasy stories, they're not popular in folklore. You're not hearing a lot of stories. I mean, yes, you got the Michigan Dog Man and the Beast of Bray Road, but they're not all over Europe anymore. Well, that may be the fault of Charles. Fucking I thought you were going to say Darwin for a minute, but I was like, it is Charles. Charles Darwin. All right. Backing up. The possible reason that we don't have as many werewolf stories is because of Charles Darwin. When he wrote The Origin of Species, he pointed out that creatures end up being very similar in an evolutionary form. Uh, so man, we're with primates, apes, chimpanzees, and scientifically later, this was supported and proven true. So if we're more like apes, how would we be like wolves and other uh, vicious animals, you know, genetically wouldn't really turn into them. And that could be why you have the big increase in Bigfoot, man apes. Because, well, hey, at least we're similar to those. So scientifically, it's a lot more possible. So uh, how can you play a werewolf that's close to folklore in D&D? Well, I do think that they put in that hybrid as well as the full form wolf uh, series because they took the two generations of werewolf stories and just made it possible as one again taking two stories that seem to go against or contradict each other and making it work in this case you could become a full wolf or you could become only a half wolf uh you then have as you said the longer you're a werewolf the harder it is to correct it and so the sooner you change it, the better off you are, as well as deeds. And that could go with some of those tales of, you know, if you survive these 9 out of 10 days or years without ever eating human flesh, you'll become human. So you're fighting against that basic instinct of evil by fighting to do good. So it definitely works with that. I would say the big thing I can see fun doing with the werewolf is having a belt where it's attuned to this belt and during certain periods you become stronger with a plus two to your overall score but it's cursed and that's that on a roll of whatever or you know just whenever a certain situation pops up you become a wolf and that's where your strength comes from so you can work in that clothing angle 
Otherwise, as I said before, you know, you just have the various locations like the where tigers hang out over here because that's where tigers roam. You're not going to find tar tigers up in the Arctic, so the chances of finding where tiger up in an Arctic region is slim to nil. And, you know, one thing I find uh, just coming from a D&D &D standpoint is that there's just so many, uh, you know, um, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphical, you know, it's not, that, that word, anthropomorphical type of creatures out there, uh, you know, so like, um, and I feel like lycanthropy really needs to kind of be treated sometimes like as a curse because... The, you know, I mean, really, any any animal out there could technically become, you know, ha there could be some strain of uh, lycanthropy that, uh, you know, adheres to it. You know, whether you're a were-rat, a were-bear, a were-boar, a were-wolf, uh, but there there's also, you know, uh, you know, there's potentially in D&D, in, &D, uh, in the various, uh, not only source books, but also a lot of homebrew, there's a lot of like, you know, there's already a stat for say like elephant men or hippo men or, you know, uh, hyena humanoids crossover type, you know what I mean? So it's like, you really got to kind of lean on uh, it being a curse in my mind. Like you got to really kind of go hard on like a... Um, either, like I said before, had, I kind of briefly mentioned, you either embrace it and you learn to like work with your curse and you know, you, you're, you're kind of, uh, walking a fine line there, like you said, trying not to consume human flesh or, or spread your disease or whatever. But then at the same time, there's also, you, know, you could deny it and, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you lose, uh, control of your character or your PC altogether, depending on, you know what type of uh, alignment your uh, inner beastie has, you know? So there's definitely a couple of, uh, uh, lots of thought fodder to chew on and kind of spit out when you're, when you're looking into the D&D &D realms and lycanthropy, mostly because like, uh, you know, the weird question arises, uh, you know, can like, uh, you, you have like a mouse uh, or a rabbit type of like anthropomorphical like humanoid you know and, and so can a were rabbit be i mean can can a, a rabbit humanoid uh, uh race have also be a werewolf i, I think so you know <laughs> yeah i definitely agree with the curse aspect as that was primarily it and the ones who chose it weren't doing it you know because Hey, it's a little bit easier to hunt. It's because they were evil assholes. So you definitely get that when you embrace it, you're evil. Otherwise, if you're innocent, you know you're you're not going to like it happening to you. But yeah, definitely a, a really good curse. As for where rat, where rabbit, uh, if you ever watched the show Grim, loved that show when it was on. Uh, you had people that were these not were creatures but they were like it uh where they were humanoid but their facial features would change into like a wolf or a rabbit or a hag looking witch a lion and a beaver but they were wasn't seen by mortal people so I think that's the only way you'd be able to have like a were-rabbit or a were-rat uh, is 
yeah, you can look like it, but your ass is still going to be five feet. Or if you're lucky, you're a halfling, three feet. Right? Yeah, I think that's funny. Yeah, I think that's got to kind of come into play, too, because just there's so many playable races, you know. I think that's why it's like there's like uh, a, a top five most common uh, wear variants, uh, you know, because, uh, d you know, does a turtle uh, infected with uh, by a wear tiger become you know like there's just so much there's just so much you could sprinkle on there you know so kind of i almost have to kind of limit the variance in my mind to like the popular ones because there's already like squirrel people so if if a squirrel person gets bitten by a were squirrel do they turn into a, a human once a month how does that work you know <laughs> or such as a were lion mixed with a leonon a leonin exactly you know like it's weird. like yeah. what benefits are you going to cross over which ones are you going to take away from the race that you don't get as aware right exactly that's why i feel like you got to treat it as like a curse you know uh, it just becomes it's too muddy the waters become muddy at some point you know because of all the different races you know <laughs> technically you're uh you are some fucked up form of chimera to throw back to our last show because <laughs> you're a half turtle half elf half you know, were rabbit type situation <laughs> all right well uh you can follow us on our socials we have threads at monsters.mythos uh, x formerly twitter at monsters underscore mythos instagram at monsters.mythos or on facebook Monsters ampersand, which is the end sign, mythos. Uh, also, if you have any questions, comments, or you want to hear a particular topic sooner rather than later, you can email us at monstersandmythos, all spelled out, at gmail.com.